Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Clean Slate. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Which clean slate number is this? I think it's we're in the 40s by now. We six, have six, six, six. <laughs> <laughs> what? The devil himself is here to clean. Oh, no. Hey, hey, guys, guys. Clean slate huh? 69. <laughs> 65. You get it? This is clean uh, slate XXX 420 69. Put the kids to bed. It's time to clean the slate. <laughs> People of the world. At night. <laughs> you may be hearing a voice that sounds very familiar to you if you've ever listened to a podcast. It's our dear friend Travis McElroy. Travis, Hi. what is up? Hi, it's me. Stravis and I go, hey, everybody. Thanks for coming, buddy. Yeah. Do you remember that period of time where it was like, oh, we got this popular TV show. Uh, we want to make a spinoff of it. I know. We'll just call it Blank Nights. And I think <laughs> now that I'm saying that, they might have only done that with Baywatch. <laughs> you know what else they did it for? They did it for the in-room Walt Disney World vacation channel that told you what like oh, what right. time that like what rides were where to go. Like it's like, hey, you've never been to Disney World before. Go ride this. Go do this. And then they had a segment in it that was Disney World nights. This was in the mid nineties. I don't know if it still happens. Probably not in the current pandemic. But mm-hmm. uh, there's this thing in LA called Channel One Hundred One where it was mm-hmm. like, bring in mm-hmm. your like ten minute long episodic things i was in one yeah and if the audience votes it through it goes to the next week and there was one that was called your magic touched me about a magician (laughs) who would go through and change people's lives and then they made after that uh didn't make it past one week they made a sequel series called your magic touched me nights in which the now the magician was a magician and worked for like a csi (laughs) kind of thing and he solved all the crimes with magic it was absolutely incredible i think it's still on youtube channel 101 i think was it blew up some people like it blew up oh yeah the island oh yeah the island Island blew up dan it's drunk history Mm -hmm. kind of was from that same group yeah yeah that was a crazy time that was like you would go live i did a show like two doors down from where they would hold the party every month where they would air the pilots and then people would vote and your pilot either got picked up you got to keep going or you were canceled and you had to come up with something else. But it was really creative stuff that came out of there. Anybody listening to this, if you've never seen it, go to YouTube and search Yacht Rock. And it's about oh, uh, Yacht Rock is perfect. Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins together, like on adventures, writing songs. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> but it was the first usage of the term Yacht Rock. Like, that's where the term Yacht Rock comes from, was that series. And it's also great. I think that's another reason it blew some people up is because, like, it was early days of YouTube, where it was like, well, we're already shooting something. We'll put it on YouTube. And this idea of, like, oh, scripted, well-made content was, like, what YouTube was really hungry for at the time. This has nothing to do with this show. Hi, I'm Travis McRoy, a professional podcaster, and I'm sitting here <laughs> rambling about something this show has nothing to do with. Look, not, Travis, not only if that, you listen to this show, and uh, I hope that many of the people listening have, they will know that most of the time we spend on this show rambling. So I think yeah. there's no problem with that. Okay, yeah. fair, fair. But we're not uh, here to talk about rambling. Wait, before we get into this. We are into into rambling. Mark, how dare you, after all these years, try to move this podcast forward when I am throwing an (laughs) anchor in this to stop us for a second. Travis, for those of you who are not in the know, you know this, Travis. I'm telling everybody else. I'm just using your name to set this up. Is part of the first family of podcasts, and that being the McElroy family. And the three brothers, Justin, Travis, and Griffin, have a book that is out today called Everybody Has a Podcast Except You, a how-to guide from the first family of podcasting that you can now buy. And yep. have sent to you, or you can get it, I assume you can get it for Kindle as well. Oh, yeah. We got the ebook, or... we got the paper, we got we audiobook, too, that we read. 
and there's some stuff in there where they said like just kind of riff for a little bit and we're like you oh, got boy. it so there's some added <laughs> bs in there so it's a and, 70 hour audio yeah, right and there's yeah. an audio chapter in the book that was written by our wives about researching because uh they are the responsible ones in our podcast so they read that chapter too i believe the intro is read by our dad and written by our dad so like in the audio book you'll hear all of us in there too uh and if you're listening to this on the 26th tonight at 9 p.m eastern time we are doing a free event book launch video live stream thing uh, you can find out more and you can order it from independent bookstores if you go to bit.ly slash McElroy podcast book event and if it's after the 26th you can still go to bit.ly slash McElroy podcast book and order it there it's very good it's fun and i'll teach you how to make a show that you are proud of there you, there you go. go well let's make a show that we're going to be proud of and yeah. we'll see wait i don't know yeah. small topic you know at the end the last topic we'll discuss is is this a show that we yeah. can be proud of. Did we do a good job, yay or nay? <laughs> How did we do? Let's start with Jenna Yamada, our good friend. Little Hello, Jenna. Podcast. Who, who I asked, vote yes on Jenna. What do you think, Mark? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to say yes, but this that's two out of three, but it needs to be unanimous. Okay, how? I've spent a lot of time weighing my conscience. It's really <laughs> heavily weighing on me all week as I thought about this, mm-hmm. but... I think ultimately I have to go with what's in my heart, not in my head. Yeah. And I will also vote yay. Right. I, how long has your guys' show been running that you've reached such niche topics as doing individual people, whether they're good or not? <laughs> so specific. Yeah, oh, man, finally, guys. I have a phone book. Uh, some of these people you're going to know. Some of them you're meeting for the first time. But we're okay, going to judge great. their address. We're going to judge the exchange of their phone number. And we're going to decide if they're good people. Jenna asks, best food to eat via horsing? I feel like I should set this up and explain yeah. what that is. Yeah. Horsing is something that I do that is a, a term coined by my wife, Jennifer, where I put a bunch of food in my mouth, the same food, and then drink a little water and eat it that way. So it looks like a horse feeding. I like that you say the same food. So it's not, you're not mixing up assorted. No. You're not putting lasagna and also dessert in the no, same No, I'm bite. not like scooping. I just will put some candied orange slices, like two or three in my mouth and then a little mm-hmm. water, let it dissolve as I chew it. And hey, first, how? I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not judging the actual act. I want to be clear mm-hmm. when I say this. Sure. The way you have described it <laughs> sounds disgusting. And I'm sure that this is a thing I do, too, because I will be clear. One of the things that boggles my mind about my wife, my wife, is that she can eat a whole meal without taking a single drink. Like, she'll drink afterwards, but the glass will just sit there untouched. And this boggles my mind. And it took me a long time to figure out why. And it's because I don't chew nearly enough. I need the water to force it down my gullet. Sure. Is that what the water is for in horsing? Is the water in the act of horsing to substitute for thorough chewing? Because if that's the case, I would say that the best food for horsing is something that dissolves in water. Mm. Or a sponge. A sponge is good, too. (laughs) The best food to eat via horsing is a sponge. Does it go the other way? Yeah. I think... Sometimes the water's a cool, refreshing blast. Here's what you do. Up. You take one of those yeah. uh, pills, the little, like, uh, there's a <laughs> the little dinosaurs? sponge creature inside. Yeah. And then you put it in your mouth. You let the plastic dissolve. And then you, whoa, it's a Tyrannosaurus. Oh, oh man. Now I just want to walk around with those little capsules in my mouth all day just to freak someone out when you, like, take a sip of water and then, poof, a T-Rex pops out. See, you're, you're onto it. I, what I would do is take a couple packages, put it in my mouth, and then mm-hmm. drink a cup of water. And then on a bus, Jurassic Park would fly out. Yeah. And that's in front of everyone. <laughs> okay. So I think we solved that one. Yep. That's uh, yeah. done. The best food to eat via horsing is those little dinosaur capsules dinosaur that have pills. a sponge dinosaur. And you can just walk inside. into any store and ask where the dinosaur pills are, and they'll know exactly what you <laughs> mean. Know. Oh, sir, aisle three. We just oh, got the, some We new keep them right up here period. by the register. So many people have asked. <laughs> we have to lock them away. Are you 21? Yeah. Oh, my God. Look, fellas. If we're going to go with the spirit of the question, though, I'm not certain we can. I do. I know they do have a gelatin coating. I'm not certain we can refer to those as food. Ah, well, anything's food if you try hard enough, Mark. Uh, yeah, but really. I see your point. That's uh, you, know, you know what I'm going to say? What's that? A dry cookie, like a yes. shortbread cookie. Yes, that's it. 
a shortbread cookie, especially because uh, I, my favorite time to enjoy shortbread cookies, Teresa and I, or who, anyone who's listened to our etiquette podcast manners, wouldn't be surprised to learn, we occasionally enjoy just having like some nice, like a tea. And especially we have a four-year-old daughter, so we are having tea parties mm-hmm. left and right. Sure. Uh, and just going dry shortbread cookie can be too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Throw a little water in there, you get the full flavor palette while you're yeah. eating it. Yeah. Is the quantity an issue, though? Because horsing to me implies a large quantity. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Or is I never wanted this. Is horsing simply the act of, can you do it in small quantities, or is horsing designed for large quantities? You can horse however you want. You can put a couple in there if you're okay. feeling... If you're feeling frisky, you can throw a few more in. That was okay because Travis nailed actually exactly the kind of thing. Something that's dry, where Mm -hmm. you want a little water in there, that makes for a much better. You're not like having to work through it and chew through. Eventually, you can swish your cookie around. Is that what you're going for? Oh yeah, you sure can. Don't you come around here swishing your cookie around, Hal Lublin? Oh, I'll try and. Try to tip you came me away these from cuts. my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to get me Swishing to hide my cookie, cookie under a bushel. I will not. <laughs> I refuse. All right. So the best food to eat via horsing is shortbread cookies. Asked right. That's right. And answered. We did it. All right. Owen Marshall asked, sofa or couch? What's the difference? Is a, is a sofa bigger? I think it's just the name. Do you call it the couch or do you call it oh, the sofa? I oh, see. you know, it's so funny because until you said that, how I was about to say to how, like, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's it. Because when I picture a sofa, I think I picture, okay, tell mm-hmm. me if you guys agree. And what, this yeah. is just based on words, right? I don't mm-hmm. think that they're actually anything different. When right. I hear a sofa, I think mm-hmm. of something with like newer, the fluff is still kind of unbroken in. This is mm-hmm. the sofa. It's a little more pristine. Mm-hmm. We only sit on it when company comes. The couch. Oh, that's comfy and broken the, in. Yeah. The couch has crumbs in it. The sofa right. does not. Yeah. The, the, the couch, couch has some divots on. you'll settle into, mm-hmm. you yep. know, in a comfy way. Yeah. Lots of blankets. Which which couch. wins? The pristine of a sofa or the lived-in Roseanne-ness of a couch? <sighs> Well, oh wait, do you mean that couches are in QAnon? Yes. <laughs> because if yes. that's the case, then, oh, I don't know. You might have just won sofas over for me. Yeah. If I'm just thinking of that. I'm thinking of the throw it. over the back. Oh, and right, the right, right, right. And there's like usually a pile of laundry at one end. It drives me crazy. And we had this in the second house that we moved. We started a row home. Then we moved to the suburbs and had like a nice house. And mm-hmm. in that house, we could have a room. That was like a sitting area where there was a couch and a couple mm. of chairs. And sometimes people sat in there, but generally that's not where you wanted to spend your time. Like right. that's where the sofa is. It's in the room that's meant to, to entertain right. that you yeah. don't use. And I, I want to I, like ornate furniture pieces are nice and they look great, but I want the big sectional that's comfy that I can get lost in that you can like every like you'd have two or three people fully laying on it if it's mm-hmm. big enough like i like that kind of that yeah. that's the kind of stuff you've like. had a couch that's big enough for three people to lay on no, it but i've seen them i've been yeah. houses with them that's this the is, rich kids that's what they oh, have that's they have that you know they got that l-shaped one don't they no it's a c oh it's L- a I whole have whole seen that too. the yeah, c shape like c it's a C shape. One person. You know, one time, guys, I middle. saw a P shaped one. Wait, incredible. It was a, there was a sofa in the middle of the sofa, so you could sofa while you couched. It was incredible. <laughs> Have you been to Roseanne's house? It's a giant Q. It's yeah. a Q, you guys. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's always on fire. Um, I think I'm going to go with couch. I think, I, I, I think, think the couch, yeah. The couch is yeah. comfy. It's inviting. Couch. It's a big, comfy couch. It's right there. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't say big, comfy sofa. No, yeah. thing. no. No. Well, now, it's not the as actual answer is I'll always take a chaise lounge any day of the week. Sure. Give me a chaise lounge or a settee. Mm. Sure. Your chaise lounge, what's the upholstery on it? Oh, it's got to be red leather with those like pulled in <laughs> buttons. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh. Looks like so it's oh, straight out of like in. a psychiatry. That's what I want. You know, I love that look like a big leather chair where it's got those buttons that like what's that uh, yeah. called? Is there a name for that? No. There's Nobody, no name for it. No, no one has you're ever. You're the first person decided. to realize there's no name for it. So you can name <laughs> yeah. it right now. Go ahead, do it. What's the name? Um, uh, sucker seat. Yeah, it's a, a sucker, sucker seat. Because exactly. they're sucked 100%. in. The buttons are what's sucking it in. Yeah. yeah. Like, just like that. my pants. 
I will also say I worked in set design and construction mm. for many years for theater. And man, if you're doing anything set before 1970, just go ahead and plan on having a chaise lounge. You're going to have it. It's going to be used It because especially if it's one of the ones that doesn't have a back on it, because I'm trying to remember, mm. I think that's a settee, but if it doesn't have a back on it, people are coming on it, like sitting on it, get jumping on it from all sides. Mm-hmm. It's way more interesting than a sofa. Yeah, it's true. You can't play around as much. I'm going to guess that being a theater practitioner, there was at least one show that had a chaise lounge or settee and a folding screen behind it that someone was uh throwing costume pieces over oh, yeah. oh, while yeah. they talked. Yeah, yeah the while they said, I've is- never seen the department stores like this. And like, <laughs> Indeed. Glove, glove. <laughs> Pantyhose. Brazier. Yeah, Brazier. The best is if you can get one of those seats that's like a circle with kind of a like smaller circle in the middle of it. Like with that's the, the raise. Yeah. Well, you're right? not facing out. You're right. facing out. That's that's the ideal piece because you see down on a stage and you're like, whoa, we're in for some jokes, guys. Yeah, <laughs> There's going to be some <laughs> slappy stick. That's a whirly sitter. That's what that one is called. Yeah. A whirly sitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a couch. Aster it's a couch. Aster. All right, we're moving on now to Ethan Jones asks, yes. is a Henley more formal than a T-shirt? What's a Henley? A Henley, so a Henley is like is a the one with the buttons. Yeah, the three little buttons right in the front, but no collar. I thought that was what I think that was called. I don't know. Collared T-shirt? A fancy tee? Well, I, think, a I don't think a Henley has to be. Knit. Well, maybe I'm confusing it with like kind of the waffly material, right? No, that- that's all. That's all knit, though. That's like the waffly material or the just like gray heather. Like I think of the Henley as just like either a short or long sleeve T-shirt that just has the couple of buttons in the front. You and know, I would it argue has, that it doesn't it have is. the pointed collar. It has there's no, no collar. It has no collar. Oh, this yeah. is the shirt of the '90s. This was yes. the shirt of yes, the night. Very much. I had so. many but not but not one that buttons all the way down. No, it's just like buttons. a pullover. I know, yeah. I'm telling you, I my senior year <laughs> picture in, in my yearbook, I'm wearing a Henley. I, it's the I'm reality bite. Almost certain. Either that it's I'm either wearing that or a Billy Joel River of Dreams. It is that was already that, faded two years later. If you Google pictures of Jason Priestley in Beverly Hills 90210 original, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm gonna say every third one of those pictures is like a red flannel shirt over a head. Over Henley. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of that look. The question is, is a Henley more formal than a t shirt? I would say barely. Oh, here's my argument. <laughs> I would say they are equally as for, like okay. Hmm. I see them as part of the same tier mm-hmm. of formality where perhaps it is like over here a little bit further on the scale. But like if you showed, okay, look at it this way. If you showed up to a thing in a t-shirt and they said, this is formal, go change. And then you came back in a Henley. They would not say that's better. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this in the same vein. If Hal is in his senior picture, let's say, where horsing let's say wearing a henley if you have two versions of hal in a photograph and one hal is wearing a henley and the other one he's wearing a two years faded billy joel river of dreams t-shirt yeah which, which one does one he look those, cooler in well <laughs> <laughs> i the, it's a trick question it's the stormfront t-shirt that was cool <laughs> oh my god look on a scale of one to ten a t-shirt is a one in the formality. It is. And a Henley is a, I think a Henley's a two, which I think makes it technically slightly it is a more 1. formal. 1.1 at best, Mark. but it's still I, slightly more formal. Yeah. Uh, right. Let me, let me go, let me extend your example, Travis. <laughs> if you were, if you were going to dinner with your 14, 15 year old child and they, mm-hmm. they walk down, I have a what? A yeah. You have a 14, 15. <laughs> Surprise. Let's uh, bring them in. Hey, Doug. If <laughs> your kid comes down and they're wearing a t shirt, and uh-huh. you're going to not quite a TGI Fridays, but also not a McCormick's and Schmicks. We're in between there. So okay. decent level restaurant. And they come in with a t-shirt. And you're like, you got to change. The t-shirt's not going to cut it. You can't go to this restaurant in a t-shirt. We're going to see the Hendersons. They're good people and they will judge you. If the kid is my boss. They're judging you. They don't sound like good <laughs> yeah. people. Well, they're not. But, you know, that's the. But that's you're not going to say that to your 14 year old. Come on. Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't want them to know that. You just want okay. them to fear parents. So you, they, when they come down in the Henley, you're like, okay, good. That's much better. 
that's much better. It's not I like don't a form- know. if you're at a formal I, event, you walk in in a T-shirt. You are the kid who owns a van in an 80s movie. OK, listen, I'm going to agree with you that I would yeah. say it was better, but I would not say, quote, good. That's much better. I would say, fine, we're late. Let's yeah. just go. That is marginally better. <laughs> yeah, that is a one point one. But still, it's not just a one. This is what I have learned from being a parent. And my kid's only four. Well, and my second kid's one. But she's easy to argue with. My Mm. (laughs) four-year-old, like so much of it, man, you wonder why it's so characteristically written for like parents and TV shows to say it's the principle of the thing. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. what you're trying to teach kids is that, is exactly that. Where it's just like, I'm going to argue with you. And as soon as you agree with me even a little bit, then we'll stop arguing. It's fine. But if I'm like, hey, no TV, and you're like, yes, TV, and I'm like, no TV, and they're like, all right, we won't watch TV now, but can we watch TV in 10 minutes? I'm like, ah, yep, you got it, because you agreed with me now, and now the argument's over, because technically, I won. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the answer is yes. Yeah, it's a little bit more formal, but but, but grudgingly just, more formal, yeah, barely more formal. This is shades of gray. This is not extremes that we're dealing right. with here. That's all right. Been answered. All right, we got Excel. one from Kate Tripoli who asks, "How many persons? How, how, how many, many pillows? How many persons? <laughs> no, nope. You have to finish it in the way you started it. How, how many, many persons pillows should one person sleep with? How many well, persons should one person sleep with? How many pillows should you sleep with?" Is the answer before you get married? Is that what you mean? Before you settle on one and before you decide on the yeah yeah before when you're really out there playing the field pillow wise. I I will say my standard is three. Hmm. I got two in a stack. No no no. Hear me out. Two for my head because Mm -hmm. I have a quite I have a large elephant man ass head. If I don't have those pillows, I'll die. And then one betwixt the knees and how anyone sleeps without a pillow betwixt their knees is uh magic to me, is witchcraft. I don't understand because if I don't, I wake up with sore knees and that's if I can fall asleep from the grinding of my knees together. Yeah, but are you a side that. sleeper? That's for yes. a side sleeper. Can't sleep on my back or tummy. No, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm one. I have a really nice. I think if you have a really nice pillow, I have one. That I call mushy because it's a mushy pillow. So it can take any, it can be flatter or I can sort of roll it up and then it becomes thicker depending on. When uh, you say you call it mushy, it's a mushy pillow. Is that you say you call it that like lowercase m, you use that as an adjective to describe it or capital M, it's this name is mushy. Is mushy. Yes, its name is mushy. Okay. So I'll say, Jennifer, where's mushy? And then she'll go, whoop, here's one. She has one too. We both have mushies. This is so cute. This it's thing. Isn't it adorable? You don't want to go down. Where's my mushy? Where's I my can't mushy? sleep without I, my mushy. Why am I mushy? But I'll also, I have the special, like the knee pillow that's shaped like an eye, like the memory foam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. I like a third pillow to rest my arm on as a side sleeper as well. I don't like having the arm like tucked in or I'm doing like one underneath the, the side I'm sleeping on. That arm is underneath. And the other one I like to rest on. I like to have elevated on another mm. pillow. That's why my dog sleeps next to me, and I use mm. her as that additional pillow that I can sure. sometimes just crook an elbow upon. I have had to recently shift totally arm position when sleeping, because I used to sleep in what I call cadaver pose, mm. where it's like arms crossed across my chest, and I would sleep oh, like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And then, like, it reached a certain point. I don't know why, but in the last, like, six months, suddenly, like, that was uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. so now to fall asleep, I kind of have to like put my arm like parallel mm-hmm. with my side. So I'm like sleeping <laughs> even more like a dead person. I don't know why. Interesting. I'm a single pillow person. I'm a one pillow under my head when I'm laying on my back. Otherwise, it hurts my neck. If I'm laying on my side, I will go two pillows. Have you guys seen the cube? There is now a pillow that's a full on cube for the side yeah, sleepers. I've seen it. That feels like a scam. It does. And also you don't want it. It would look strange like on a bed. That would look odd to me. A bed with just one cube pillow. Here is what I want. I've thought about this a lot Mm -hmm. as a side sleeper. Mm -hmm. I want a bed that is made out of a lot of like six inch by six inch cubes that I can Mm -hmm. pull out of the mattress to then like lower my arm into and build like specially like a pocket 
in the yes. bed that my arm and shoulder goes down into so I don't have to tuck it around. You want a Minecraft bed. Yes, yes. I would mm-hmm. like a bespoke Travis hole <laughs> to put myself into. And you want to be able to remote press it so instead of having mm-hmm. to actually pull them out, they just recess into the base. I mean, listen, the dream is it's like one of those pen cushion things that you can push against your face or hand or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's sure. like a bed. And it's not like memory foam or condensed. It just like disappears, melts underneath you. Mm-hmm. So it's just like... Ah, uh, that's the dream because I think I would sleep best if it felt like I was touching nothing. Sometimes yeah. I can't sleep if my socks are too fuzzy. So like, imagine just feeling like nothing. Like you oh, were man. just, you stopped existing. Oh. That's the dream. Oh my God. I hope someone as a prank puts a pee under your mattress. Hey, how dare you, Mark? <laughs> but what do we think? I mean, look, we've got to come up with the objective answer to this. I'm a one, you're a three, and you're a three as well, Hal? Yeah, three. Here's what I'm going to say. Three seems really excessive. But it's not far under the head. One's for the knees, for the nub. Okay, let's say two, because you can remove one Mm -hmm. if you find that that's uncomfortable. But if you only have one and it's not doing it, now you're folding it up and trying to origami your pillow. Yeah. I think two seems reasonable. I think two is what is generally agreed upon for the hotel world. Yeah. This is the right amount of pillows for a person. That seems more than that feels excessive to me. And I understand the need. How dare you? How dare you, I'm just saying. I have sensitive knees. Yeah. (laughs) From my time as a tap dancer. More than two under your head seems excessive to me. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, because that's the thing, you can curl up some of the Mm -hmm. extra blanket between your knees if you're in a pinch. Right. I do that. I've yeah. done it. It's not the same, but I'll it's not it. the same, but sometimes it'll trick your body in it long enough to fall asleep. There yeah, you go. That's true. Two pillows. Asked and answered. Two pillows. We got more topics to clean off the slate, but first we're going to take a break where we'll hear from some fine other Max Fun programs. That was a weird sentence, but I'm not going to fix it. And maybe more. We'll be back. I'm going first. It's me, Jackie Keisha. Man, she's always this bossy. Uh, <laughs> hi. I'm Lori Kilbarton. Uh, we're a bunch of stand-up comics, and uh, we've been doing comedy like 60 years total with <laughs> both of us, but we look amazing. And, uh, working out. We drop every Monday on Max Fun, and it's called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it and learn about comedy and learn about anger management and all the things. And Jackie is married but childless, and I'm unmarried but childful. So together, we make one complete woman. Is that just what that one's going to end? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we try to make Kyle laugh just like that and say, oh, my God, every episode. It's a good job. Jackie and Lori Show, Mondays, only on Maximum Fun. Hi, my name's Travis McElroy, the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Have you checked it out? I think you really like it. It's me and my brothers goofing around, making some jokes, but also learning a little bit about life. So come on down here, sit a spell with us, the McElroy brothers. We're going to answer your questions, or we won't. We might just talk about weird things that have happened at restaurants for a while. Anyways, we love you. <laughs> Let's move on. Mark, what is our next topic? Our next topic, Rebecca Justinger or Justinger, or I'm sorry for pronouncing your name poorly. If I did asks paperback or hardcover. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. There's obviously two major pros, like one for each Mm -hmm. hardcover substantial feels like you're doing something. You pick up a hardcover to read. Oh boy. This is, Oh, this feels real paperback portability. Throw a paperback, they're usually smaller. You throw them in your bag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot easier. I will say, the feeling of a well-worn-in paperback, where it's like you can flip through and, like, the whole book has, like, a solid flipping action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't ever really get that with a hardcover unless, like, the covers break. And that's a bummer, right? True. I am team paperback all the way on this one for that very reason. There's something that feels so much more tactile to me about a paperback. I know that a hardcover, the paper quality is better. The cover quality is better. It's, it's usually like the first edition of a book or the nice edition of a book. But if what you really want to do is read it on the subway or annotate or, you know, get to a certain page quickly, 
that to me, I feel like, and also a hardcover version of a book could be $40 where the paperback version of the same book is nine bucks. But there is one area where a paperback cannot compete. And it's aesthetically. Aesthetically, Aesthetically, on a shelf, like you walk into a room. That's the thing. If you're like, if I see a bunch of paperbacks on a a shelf, I'm like, oh, you're a reader, Mm -hmm. right? You you Mm -hmm. have read these like. But if I walk in and I see those like hardcovers, I'm like, oh, you're a collector. Oh, yes, but are books meant to be read or looked at? Well, but I mean, the ideal is both. I mean, listen, I'm arguing this as a person who has not consumed a paper book in probably 10 (laughs) years. I only do audio books because of attention span and kids. So what the do I know? I don't know if I can curse on this show, but the thing (laughs) is, I think that as now a, a homeowner, right, if I'm going to take up show space, I think what I tend to do now is if I do read a hard, uh, paperback, I'm then like, once I'm done reading it, like, mm-hmm. uh, either donating it somewhere, passing it on to someone else, or like reselling it at like a bookstore that does that. If I have a hardcover, I think I'm way more likely, if it, especially if it's like a pretty, like you can take off the dust cover and they've like put a design on the spine. That's mm-hmm. the dream. Now I can put it on the shelf. Are you a take the dust cover off guy generally? If it's a pretty thing, mostly just because I don't trust myself. I mean, I used to only like do hardcovers because I liked, like I said, when I was like 11, right? Mm-hmm. It felt so like I'm, I'm the page master, yeah. right? Like I'm doing something. I got what, shall I read book. Moby Dick in paperback form? Right. No. I, <laughs> then how could I possibly brag about it? And so like then I would take the, the desk off because I simply did not trust myself. Because it's like, what I'm going to tear this up. And so if I keep the desk cover at home, counterintuitively, I think this makes the most sense, honestly. Let the part you don't see get beat up and then go home and put the dust cover back on. Looks like a brand new book when you put it on the shelf. <laughs> the dust cover is supposed to take the, the abuse, though. And then but, you can take oh, it off. That might be true back in the day when the dust cover used to just be paper that you put over it. But now when the fancy design is on the dust cover... Let the that's so true. Yeah, just carry around the book, and then put the dust cover on when you put it back on the shelf. Right, especially the one that bothers blew my mind. They put dust covers on kids like hardback books, where the Mm -hmm. dust cover and the cover of the book are the exact same design. And it's like, hey, who are you fooling? I'm giving this to a three year old. I'm taking that dust cover off. Are you kidding me? If I left that (laughs) dust cover on, it maybe has ten minutes before it's ripped off. Yeah, but the it dust cover that's on that book, they can, it's easier to emboss the Newberry medal on a dust cover. Now than that to is emboss true. the Newberry medal on the actual book cover. I don't cool. buy my kid Newberry books. I don't want her getting highfalutin. Come on, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Caldecott man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A good American Caldecott Award. Looking at the pros and cons, do we think that the beauty aesthetic of a hardcover outweighs the portability and price and accessibility of a paperback version of the same book? I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to any like pick between this or this thing, Mm -hmm. I always fall back to the same argument that often like will decide for people whether they're cake or pie, Mm -hmm. which is imagine that this question is saying, Whichever one you choose, the other one is erased from existence. And the thing is, is if paperbacks are erased from existence, I really think it would decrease book sales tremendously mm-hmm. because of what you're talking about. Portability, carry it with you, take it to the beach, take it on the subway or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if hardcovers were erased from existence, eventually people would just get used to the aesthetic of a paperback. Yeah. So I, I'm still going paperback, but I, with, with the asterisk, of acknowledging that aesthetically, I do think uh, hardcover is more pleasing. Grooving. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it out of the gate. There are, are books that I read as a kid over and over and over again. And I remember as soon as you talked about the feel when you break in a book, I remember the exact feel of my favorite books. How yeah. soft it was thumbing through mm-hmm. the pages over time. Just like that feel and weight of it and the way the spine bent so I knew like the favorite part that I kept revisiting. So the, those soft cover books become sort of a tribute to the time you spend reading that book. It forms mm-hmm. to you to where you flip your pages and where you stop. It it helps you remember. So it becomes sort of a living memory of the many times you read that book. I think yeah. that's such a great image having like 
the spine of a paperback book, if you look at the spine of a, of your favorite paperback and you see those white lines going mm-hmm. down the spine of the book, you know that those white lines represent your favorite points in that book. And I, I am also of the opinion that like there might be bibliophiles listening to this going, but no, but, uh, I, I dog-eared pages not just to save my place, but if there was like a quote I liked or a scene I liked, mm-hmm. I would dog-ear it and leave it dog-eared so I could like come back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now I will say there are notable exceptions. For example, a certain young wizarding series that shall not be named, mm-hmm. whereas like when I was a kid or Percy when those Jackson were coming, and the Lightning Thief. Percy Jackson, yes, thank you. When those were coming out, I only wanted the hardcover, right? Like that mm-hmm. felt like a thing I wanted. Or if it was like, oh man, another wizarding series that starts with an X that I won't name because there was a lot of weird child stuff in there. But that was another one of like when I was obsessed with those books, I mm-hmm. wanted the hardcover because it felt like something now as an adult if someone's like do you want this hardcover book i'll be like no thanks my back yeah <laughs> do you want if it's a classic like i yeah i would like the used to enjoy like i would get the big fanciest version of a book that's been in the public domain for 200 years right right, right. or then i would get the dover thrift edition that i could roll up and stick in my pocket that was right. way easier right, right. Oh, i was the bathtub reader so i loved paperbacks hard oh, covers i need to be light look at it and that's the I was thing the back, too the i was a back pocket reader i was the back pocket reader where it's like oh, i've got five mm-hmm. seconds okay <laughs> like that was me you mentioned too you bring up a good point i mean i know we know it's paperback we're saying it's paperback but just to ask an answer just to yeah. beat a dead horse the weight when you are reading if you're spending hours and hours and hours holding this thing unsupported in your hand go with the lighter version But I do think, okay, but even to that, every so often, listen, we've all seen Never Ending Story. That idea of sitting there holding the big book when you're a Mm -hmm, kid feels so viscerally, I think, powerful, Mm -hmm. right? It feels like I am holding the key to a journey when you're doing that, that there are certain books that like, you know, I think, for example, something like The Hobbit, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, if I'm going to get, like, if if I was like, I'm going to buy a copy of this for B.B., Mm-hmm. I think I would buy something that was like, I'm handing you a treasure. This looks mm-hmm. like something you should value. It's very like in Princess Bride, right? That book. If he had just walked in holding a kind of like broken spine rolled up paperback, <laughs> it's like, what is this? Did you spend a dollar on this? Come on, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're living on a pension, dude. Yeah, that is a good point. It does feel like for a gift, I would say hardcover. Very hardcover much. for a gift, paperback for yourself. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, for my birthday, I got a hardcover book from Jennifer and it was really, it was nice to have the hardcover version mm-hmm. and it's a cooking reference book, this gigantic, oh, it's called yeah. La Russe Gastronomique and it, you want, I don't even know if I'm going to keep the paper sleeve for it, but it's such a beautiful book and to have it in hardcover, that's what it feels like. If I have a big reference book, I want it to have that weight that it stays open. Yeah. When I open it up and I'm flipping through all the pages at a certain point in a hardcover book, you can do that. If they paperback, you cannot. That is generally how you get the spine and how it and how it weakens because you're trying to hold it open on a flat surface or how you mm-hmm. sort of curve it around. But well, it's still better. Paperback asked and answered. Asked and answered. Now I'd like to go. Chris Rooney asks, mm. hmm. should I shave my head bald? Now, guys, I've dropped into the chat a photograph of Chris Rooney. Well, he's really taken the suspense out of this because his head is already shaved and he's standing under a sign that says Bald Head Road. That's right. Chris Rooney has shaved his head bald and looks great. So retroactively, the answer is yes. Okay. I think it's. Because he's forced our hand and showed us a picture of him shaved bald, mm-hmm. I would restrict him from shaving it anymore so that the hair has to grow back and then send us another picture and then we'll decide. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is without knowing if, okay, listen, I say this. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt were I to shave my head, mm-hmm. I would look weird. Not because bald is weird, but because I know I got a weird shaped head. I know I got a big old melon. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know, ooh, I fell down a lot as a kid and bonked it on a lot of things. There's no way <laughs> looking good. Right. And so the idea of like unforced, but if I was say Bruce Willising, mm-hmm. as you may, 
I would just yeah. go ahead and shave it, right? Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I know very few people who have been like fitting to the point of like, I, I, another person I will not name, uh, a friend of mine was thinning so bad. He just had like a little tuft in the front and yeah. then like a huge circle around it with nothing. Yeah. And he refused to shave that tuft forever. And then eventually did. And he was like, Oh, I look amazing. It's like, yeah, my dude, it's a good, there's something very <laughs> confident about it. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's for him specifically. Look, the bald head looks great. Yeah. You got a good head, now, Chris Rooney. Yeah. Now, Chris, you have to grow all your hair back, grow whatever hair you have back, mm-hmm. and then let us see a picture of it. And don't or, cheat. Do No, do not cheat and put a wig on. We'll know. Why is that cheating? I was, I was just going to suggest if you don't want to take the time to grow, because, you know, there's that awkward yes. phase when you have okay. the like little where you look like a, a Manchi Chi. So not you, about what he wants. Listen, I think we can all agree. Wants. Color it in with a Sharpie. Send us a picture. <laughs> and we'll decide. Oh, yeah. Do that. Yeah, you can color, color it in with a Sharpie. Sharpie. That we will accept. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, ask temporarily an asked and answered. Yes. Yeah. What's next, Mark? I leave that to you, Hal. Okay, great. I got a good one here. This is from Sarah Varian, who asks, regular swing or tire swing? Regular swing. Next. Regular swing. Really? Regular swing. I have what, wait, never. Why? Okay. One, tire swing. You need at least two people because if one person sits on a tire swing, it'll tilt up weird. It's really yeah. hard to balance one person on a tire thing. You have to sit in the middle, right? So that it stays mm-hmm. balanced. And at that yeah. point, your ass is falling through the hole in the middle. It is wildly uncomfortable. Plus, the chances that nowadays there is some like steel belted stuff in there that like yeah. if the tire wears through, it's going to cut you or your children. You're not using a new tire. No. Yeah, and yeah. three, a black tire sitting in the sun becomes wildly uncomfortable very quickly. Yeah. Like you, do you, when you think of a tire swing, are you thinking like that this tire swing has to a rope and made flat or are oh. you thinking the tire swing where it's simply tied well, to a rope and the tire itself is at on the same vertical plane that it would okay, be? Okay. See, when part. I hear tire swing, yeah, you um, think about. There was a playground where I grew up where it was a tire that was flat with mm-hmm. a chain split into three mm-hmm. that went yeah. down to three different points. So it's that flat, yes. right? Yes, the flat. Those are, I, I like those. I was saying that I was thinking that the tire has more versatility. I agree. If you just tie a rope around a tire and hang it from a branch, which is like the classic idea of a tire. Yeah, it looks not good only, in a painting. Not only yeah. are you falling through the hole, but when you sit in it, you're sitting in an empty area where the tube would go. So you're sitting in a ridge. Like there's mm-hmm. no comfortable well, way to sit on it unless you sit on the very top of it, in which case that's not that what point, it's for. No, just tie just a, get a swing. board in there. And, yeah. and chances are like your uncle Derek put up and he has no idea what he's doing. He's not a structural yeah. engineer. He didn't like yeah, choose yeah. the best branch. He just did the one that was closest. And yeah. you're go- like one time you're going to get up there and it's going to break and maybe you'll be fine, but like maybe you won't, but maybe the tire will start to roll with you in it and it'll go oh. through the whole town. <laughs> I just think if you're talking about like, conceptually fun i see we're thinking about a tire swing the idea is fun but in practicality you can sit on a regular swing for like as long as you want to sometimes just sit there and kind of chill out have a conversation with the person on the swing next to you right 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 the tire swing also implies there's only one of them right a swing set like a regular swing has you can sit next to a person you can do the hey let's see who can get higher you can do that taking turns on one swing but the big thing is with a tire swing, well, two things. Number one, you can't go as high as possible, then jump off and fly mm-hmm. through the air yeah. like a superhero and land like Spider-Man. Number two, you can't try to go That's all the way around. too specific for it not it's to have impossible. happened. Oh, of course. you. That was what we did. You went as high as possible, and then you jumped off to try land because you're a kid. And you, and, there and if you no can tomorrow. do it right, you land in the hero pose like, yeah. yeah, and you stand up and people are like, oh, my God, he did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Regular swing. <laughs> regular it swing. It is regular 100%. swing. Asked. And answered. We got time for a couple more, yes? We do. Yeah. We got time for just a couple more. All right. Susan DeBorsey asks, ramp, stairs, moving walkway, escalator, or elevator? Okay. Well, right off the bat, I'm going to nix stairs out of this mix because yes, of accessibility, yeah. right? True. Where yeah. not just accessibility, but also like of all the ones we just described, the most work. 
Yeah. Right. Escalator too has a, I mean, Escalator is, Escalator has accessibility. Stairs. I mean, it's, dev, you could like do a wheelchair on it with assistance, mm-hmm. like turn backwards, I guess. But yeah, to me, end of the day, elevator takes the cake, you guys. That thing's magical. Well, you know so I mean? the question, the question is, I would say based on the question that Susan asks at the, the best end, way to go up, best way to go up is definitely i'm saying 100 percent. i'm with you on an elevator there's no version of a skyscraper in new york city that i want to take any of these other routes that said the best way to go laterally i think is the moving walkway because there's nothing as amazing as being in the airport seeing that moving walkway and then suddenly being like you know what now when i walk and i look at my reflection in whatever businesses are along this pathway i look like i'm walking like the bionic man going super speed with one caveat Uh which is if the business you want to go to is smack dab in the middle of like where the moving walkway is and you're like, do I walk there? Do I go down the moving walkway and walk back? Like, what do I, (laughs) you can't exit the moving walkway in the middle unless you like vault up the side. Yeah. You know what, Travis vault. Not if I have my suitcase with me. And of course I have my suitcase with me. I only travel with carry on. I'm going to check a bag. I risk losing it. Come on. Never. That's a that's a fool's errand to do that. Yeah, the elevators. I'm really upset that they don't have. There is no good moving walkway to get you up. There's the and the thing I think of immediately is the moving walkway at the end of the haunted mansion in mm-hmm. Disneyland specifically, where there's a moving walkway to to take you up out of the berm mm-hmm. and to the street level, and it is working real hard. It's it pretty steep. Best to get you up there. Yeah. And it is not fast. It feels like that ribbon is going to rip. Mm-hmm. And like you, and then you will comically run in place as it gathers behind you. Mm-hmm. And then- there is one of, I have been on a upward moving walkway in Las Vegas for whatever reason, wherever the Madame Tussauds, I think has them. Yeah. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. where the Madame Tussauds is and yeah. it will like take you up there, but the distance that it has to cover, the angle it is at is yeah. so shallow that it's like, <laughs> Why, like, you're wasting so much real estate doing yeah. this when you could have just done an elevator? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and the only thing about an elevator is I, I do understand that uh, for crowd size in Vegas, an elevator with a capacity of six that you're constantly waiting, there could be a long queue forming outside that. Whereas with this ramp, you can just kind of keep it full the whole time. Well, I mean, I'll tell you the ideal scenario. Because mm-hmm. they have this at the Cincinnati Zoo, and I love it, is there is an escalator, mm-hmm. and then next to that, a bank of four elevators. So if you are – so, for example, it's a zoo. So for parents with kids and strollers, mm-hmm. they will direct you to the elevators. Mm-hmm. If you feel comfortable on the escalators, they direct you towards the escalators. So they're kind of like splitting the pathway of just mm-hmm. like, okay, you got a wheelchair, es- uh, elevators right over here. Oh, okay, cool. Are you, you know, here are the escalators. So it's kind of making sure that there's never too long a line. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal. But if yeah. you were going to get rid of one of those for me, you could, everybody can use the elevator. Elevator, yeah. Well, the accessibility thing eliminates most of these. Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But if we're talk, look, if we're talking absolute best case, I think the best version of best way to go up is not on here, which is grab the rope, use your sword to smack the other part of the rope, releasing the chandelier, and you go flying up into the air. Yep. Sure. That, I is, think we can that would agree. be the best way. Barring that, I think elevator is the winner. And the best yeah. way down, of course, is to jump off the mast, stick your knife into the sail, exactly. let it drag you slowly down as you exactly. land, and then you parry Captain Hook, and you fly <laughs> around the ship. We all know what's going on. Yeah, sure. exactly. That's the best way down. That's or repelling. Yeah, one of those two. Yeah, repelling also fun. Yeah. EJ Salazar asks, Cocoa Pebbles or Fruity Pebbles? I, I leave this to you guys. I was never a fan of either of them. Really? Why? Do you not like things that taste good? I like minimally sweet breakfast cereals. And oh, we talked about this. You're in like, our... just a bowl of kicks for me. Why, why do you say that like mother approved? Like you're like, that's, that's a, like, there's a whole thing. world out there. You were allowed to have sugar cereal as a kid. That's, that's the thing, right? No, we, I mean, we didn't Ever? have sugar cereals as a kid. No, we were maybe, like you said, kicks or honey nut Cheerios. Oh, when we got, when we got honey sweet. nut Cheerios, that was a big deal. 
Mm-hmm. Wait, how many kids were in your family, Mark? Three. How many in yours, Hal? One. Okay. Unless I wasn't there, then zero. Okay, well, <laughs> well I, I assume if you had said zero, Hal, I would have been <laughs> confused. I'm a Victorian ghost. But oh, okay. Ooh. See, we had three kids, and I seem to remember, like, before Griffin reached serial age, I think my parents tried to be like, we're going to do, like, kicks and, you know, like, uh, Frosted Flakes. And then it was like, okay, there's... Three of you, I don't know, Lucky Chimes, Free to Put, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm at a certain point. I think when I was like, I, it was when I started high school, my mom and dad would just let me get ready because I caught the bus. I remember having cake for breakfast on more than one occasion. So, like, I don't know. My, um, <laughs> I, I think, okay, the reason this is a tough choice mm. is if somebody said right now for one day, one meal, what do you want? I would choose Fruity Pebbles. But yeah. if someone said, like, you're going to eat this every morning for a week, I would say Cocoa Pebbles, because to Mark's point, I think Fruity Pebbles are a little sickly sweeter mm. than the Cocoa Pebbles, where Cocoa yeah. Pebbles to me has a bit of a almost a little bit of like that bitter, darker chocolate taste to mm-hmm. it, where it's yeah, not it so sweet. Fruity Pebbles feel like an ice cream topping. Yeah, right. Or I have made marshmallow treats like Rice Krispie treats out of <laughs> Fruity Pebbles. Yes, me too. And it's. Very good. But I would say, like, if I, if somebody said, you're going to eat this cereal every day for a month, which one do you want to eat? It's easily Cocoa Pebbles for me. You know, for some reason, last year in particular, this started, was exploring, because I knew I had one day of the week where I would go crazy and eat whatever. So you would explore your body. I, I, I would explore my body. And I, I got obsessed with versions of cereal that had marshmallows added to them. So the uh-huh. Frosted Flakes with marshmallows. Oh, and you now, and BB must belong to the same group. You and my four-year-old. <laughs> oh, we have a great text thread about it where we rate and say which ones we like and which ones we don't oh, like. That's nice. And, and Justin, too. You like those are called Marbits. Yes, the Marbits. I have a I have a one-pound bag of Marbits that I can add to. Of course you do. Wait, like, hold okay. on. What? What are Marbits? Right. Or just the marshmallow, marshmallow bits? Just yeah. like the little chalky marshmallows. Yeah. If you know, think of Lucky Charms. The stuff yeah. that's not the chaff. That is sure, the market. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Fruity Pebble with marshmallows has been consistently, we have not been without it in the house since last Don't March. say we like Jen is buying it, Hal. <laughs> Come on. It's true. She looks at it and says, do we need all this? I oh. know Jen. Come do on. This? That's true. Don't say we. Like yeah. Jen's not like, oh, how? When you go to the store, don't forget to get the one pound bag of Marbits. Yeah. Oh, we're we low. Like, We've only got four ounces of Marbits left. Better get yeah. another bag. Look, I bought I I buy those boxes three at a time of marshmallow fruity pebbles. Mm-hmm. It's so good. But I for some reason, I don't think I could eat them every single day. I like to look forward to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the milk afterwards is good, but with cocoa pebbles, you have chocolate milk when you're done. And yep. it is, I think, of all of the cocoa cereals, I think it's the best one. Yeah. Cocoa puffs are good, but any puff cereal floats too much, so you get an unequal cereal to milk ratio. And by the time they're underneath, if you don't like soggy cereal, which I don't mind, if you don't like soggy cereal, then you're going to be very disappointed. You have to do the weird thing where you measure them or get that bowl for sociopaths. No, where you I don't want to have to do science when I'm eating no, my cereal. There's no, thank no you. need for it. I think it may be Cocoa Krispies. I, I'm surprised that I'm saying that. I'm agreeing yeah. because I love Fruity Pebbles so much, but I do think to have it day in and day out, would be, I'm saying. would be much more difficult. I think having either one day in and day out would be very challenging. But if you, but you'd rather have a cocoa. I agree. I think I would rather have the cocoa. I'd rather have that chocolate in the morning. And I think it would be better. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think it, like if I were to make it part of a complete breakfast, I'm doing the hardest air quotes my hands will allow. <laughs> where you have like the, that means part of a complete breakfast just means you have a bowl of fruity pebbles and then you have a complete breakfast also. Yeah. One yes, of my favorite jokes, it's whenever you talk about it, somebody saying, like, I mean, the cup is part of a complete breakfast, too, but you still shouldn't yeah. eat it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think of uh, buttered toast. I love having buttered toast with a cereal or, mm-hmm. or butter, like a plain bagel with butter toasted with butter on it. And I think Do you want any more carbs? You could just drink like a cup full of oats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best I... food for horsing. Oh, yeah. I mix up uh, cake batter and I drink that uh-huh. instead of a juice. <laughs> but you get your mouth hot first, so it makes pancakes then, in your mouth. Yeah, and then the bowl is the tortilla, and then I eat that. Of at course, the end. Well, this so is great. I love carbs. This. 
I do want to, I want to throw one little note where you're talking about the puff cereals. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite cereals, and I don't know if it's made anymore, but I haven't had them forever. And you just remind me of Reese's Puffs because you get mm-hmm. that peanut butter chocolate taste in cereal form was amazing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice. Those are, those are, those are well made cereal. I think it is still around. I yeah. think it survived. Okay. It survived. I have to go get some. Okay. But the winner is Cocoa Pebbles, correct? correct. Cocoa yeah. Pebbles, ask the answer. Right. Mark, you want to take us home? You got the last one? Yeah, let's do one last one. This comes from Jordana Kane. That's a powerful name. It that is, is a right? superhero alter ego name right there. Yeah, it sure is. Jordana Kane. Nuclear physicist Jordana right, like Kane. <laughs> By after day. An accident, <laughs> after an accident at Shoney's, she gained the ability to see four seconds into the past. <laughs> That's not a great power. I mean, four seconds she in the future is something. <laughs> four seconds into the past. Wait, what did I just say? Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She never forgets an argument. Oh, Could you repeat the specials? Just no need. <laughs> <laughs> Jordana Kane asks, grocery shopping, list or no list? Okay, this is very close to home because my wife and I are on opposite sides of this issue. Where I see, okay, for her, she is a list person, right? My, my wife mm-hmm. is very in all things, uh, economical, right? This is, I, 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 I where I am much more of a free spirit. Mm-hmm. I yes. find uh, what I like to do, put some earbuds in, maybe listen to a podcast or some music. I start at one end of the store and mm-hmm. I just weave through the aisles waiting to be inspired. By perhaps mm-hmm. an article of food I've never thought of before. Oh, what's that? Oh, I some uh, blue cheese stuffed olives. Uh, yeah, why not? That'll make me happy for sure. Surely that will be the thing that makes me happy. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> that elusive happiness. Uh, this must be it. Oh, some, uh, some I don't know, uh, chili verde. Uh, yeah, well, sure. Why not? And and now, admittedly, one of my New Year's resolutions for this year is to try to create less waste in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is buying things that I don't have a planned meal for or that I don't know mm-hmm. what that would be in a meal and to try to eat out of the pantry and fridge and freezer more. So and it also saves me on going to the store in the middle of a pandemic. That I think is a is a key right now is I don't know that weaving starting at one end of the store with a podcast and weaving in and out of the aisles in 2020 through 2021 is necessarily. So do we take that factor out of consideration? Well, but or I think is this episode then, of the moment. Even then, I've been doing a lot of the online ordering mm-hmm. yep. and I find without a list, it doesn't work the same way like i sit down and i'm looking at a computer screen thinking what do we need and until Mm. i could like without being able so even though i prefer the kind of abstract freeform grocery shopping i have come around on it Mm -hmm. to say you should start with a list you might pick up other things but there is nothing more frustrating than either getting that online order or coming home from the store right. and realizing like, oh, bread, right? Like that. And then thinking yeah. like, what am I going to make another order? And am I going to go yeah. back out? Like, yeah. I think. And then you go, crucial. oh, wait, I left the four year old at the grocery store. So you got to go back out anyway. No, are that, you kidding that. me? What's the weather like? You know what I mean? What time <laughs> is it? How tired am I? She can wait. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I, I think I, I like that idea. I think it's the correct answer is a combination of both erring on the side of using a list. It's preparedness versus spontaneity. Yeah, but I think sure. for grocery shopping, it's the preparedness plus a little bit of spontaneity just in case you come across salsa verde that you want or blue cheese stuffed olives. Yeah. And then feeling free to do that. But I do think especially right now, get in and out, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think the thing that brought me around on the list was having kids where Mm -hmm. it's just like, well, there's food that especially like for a baby, like there is Mm -hmm. food that we need for a one year old. Right. And if we run out of that, it's not like, oh, we'll just give her some of this steak. Give her Um, slim jam. Right. And so like the list became an absolute necessity for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think above all, and it's I know Jordana didn't ask this, but the most important thing for food shopping is that you not be hungry when you do it, that you either oh, yeah. have just eaten or just mm-hmm. you either passed a meal or in between meals and not hungry in any way, because then you will make bad decisions. But a list is a must have. You need to know beyond staples. It's good to meal plan to an extent and know what are some things I would like to make 
And then you can get things that will either free, you know, I have a couple of things that are in my freezer right now. I could get out and defrost and make a meal. Very how many easily. frozen so bags of Marbits shop. do you have? Oh my goodness. That's 90% of the freezer yeah, right now. I get it. And then the rest is that elk you killed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just bags of Marbits and that butchered elk. Oh my yeah. God. That's one thing <laughs> down where my dad lives. Everyone has a freezer that just has a single cut up animal in it. Yeah. Sure. They share it. Yeah. I brought Growing a whole up, cow. We had a lay down freezer like that was, I would say only the top half of it was usable because the bottom half, everything was so like frozen together. <laughs> like I as a kid remember so many times like lifting the lid and like diving down in with my little legs, like kicking up out of the back <laughs> as I'm like yeah. digging down, trying to see if there was any more like frozen, you know, like any more frozen pizzas in here. <laughs> I would say an addendum to your don't shop hungry. I have found that what you really want to do in a perfect world, you will shop completely neutral. Because, like, if I'm too frustrated or, like, sad, I'm buying things to make me happy. But if I'm too yes. happy, now I'm, like, walking on sunshine just scooping things into the cart. Like, mm-hmm. this will make my kids smile. Oh, I know Teresa loves these. Oh, I love this hot chocolate. And it's like, what are you doing? You don't know. Yeah. You need all these things. What you want to be is just completely, like, data from Star Trek neutral. Like, do we yeah. need bread? No. And that's where the list comes in. Yeah. A list does not have mood swings. A list yes. does not get hungry. A list will keep your pantry full. And let me and also really, recommend, if yeah. you're making a list, specificity is very important. So sometimes it'll just say, like, vegetables. And then you get, and you're looking around <laughs> like, the ve- and you're like, that could be anything. What am I? Oh, no. Bok choy? Am I going to get some pot <laughs> hmm, This just says carbs. I must be shopping yeah. for my breakfast. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And hey, if you want to avoid, here's a good tip for avoiding emotionally food shopping is wait until 2022 to buy anything else ever. Yeah. And then you'll be out of a major stress zone and yeah. you'll be fine. I hope yeah, your fridges are all already full. Just yeah, go out there, kill yourself an elk, learn from yep. how, butcher <laughs> it. Make your own marbits out of elk yeah. fat. Yeah, you can. Ugh. It's really easy. I'll tell it's you really how. Easy. You just got to extrude. You got to get yourself an extruder. Uh-huh. Make it in the shape of, of like a rainbow or a pot yeah. of gold and just yeah. push the elk fat through there. Chop it in a little bits. Freeze it. I use a, that will last I actually you use, I, I use a Play-Doh Fun Factory for that. Nice. And it's, it works really well. You get the little slide. You get the noodles. Different shapes. Yeah. And you just cut <laughs> it off with a butter knife as you go. You lay them out in the sun on a rock. They dry out. And then you throw them in cereal whenever you want, but it's better to freeze them. They will stay fresher. That is fresh yeah. animal fat. Fresh uh, elk obviously. marshmallows. Yeah. And yeah. then you use the antlers for a coat rack. And the best thing is then those marbits double as soap. They sure do. Yeah. You can wash up with them. Drop a couple in your hair. That's a shampoo. Yeah. My favorite cereal, Tal-O's. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a natural aphrodisiac. I'm just saying that elk fat can be used for a lot of things. You, I mean, I'm not saying it's good for it, but you can use it for shampoo. You can yep. use it for writing. You can True. use it to grease a wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, and stuff. those are all the things. Those are yep, every, that's it, that's actually. every use. That's everything that's you can it. use. Uh, it's a lot. It's a wide range. Yeah. More than you can use my fat for. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We have covered our list. We have covered everything that elk fat can be used for. Yes. Travis McElroy, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I think this is my third appearance. Is that true? Yeah. We, we, so. Batman yeah. Superman was the first one. Mel Brooks movie. Mel Brooks movie. And now this. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is very uh, exciting. Great. And congratulations on the new book. Of course, you could also get yeah. all the Adventure Zone graphic novels. But the big news of the day is now officially released as everybody has a podcast except you. Yes. That you wrote with your brothers, but the entire McElroy family has been brought to bear on this project. Just tell everybody again. I just love that you're writing this. I feel like it's a good time for it to come out, too. Yeah. I, like I mean, so is- the impetus for it, we started planning this a long, long time ago. We've been doing podcasting now for almost 11 years. So it'll be 11 years mm-hmm. in April. Well, that's how long I've been doing it. Justin and Griffin were doing the Joystick podcast before that. And what we have found is most, if not all of the material out there, as far as like published works about podcasting is very specifically like the business side of it. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to write something that includes that, but is more focused on like 
you know, you're going to pick a talk and like there's sections on like picking a like topic or structure for your show, uh, coming up with a title for it. Do you have a co-host or not? What is your podcast art? What music do you have? Editing tricks, like how much silence do you cut out? All these things, like there's a little bit about live shows in there and merch. And there's like a whole thing about monetization when we get to that. And it, it basically we wanted to create a if you are interested in making a podcast, this will show you literally like start to finish product. And if you're just interested in like listening to podcasts, it'll give you like an insight as to like why decisions were made and all of that stuff. I I, I think that if people find podcasting to be like an interesting thing in general, you will like it. We also wanted to write a how-to book on it that wasn't dry. That was like, uh, it's us. And we're, you know, we're silly boys, hashtag silly boys. <laughs> and so, uh, we wanted to write something that was like fun to read because I think that podcasting should be fun to do. I mean, the number one piece of advice I've ever given anybody about podcasting is like, there's a chance that your podcast blows up and you end up like making your full time living off of it and you become a full time podcaster. But. I mean, that's like acting or music or modeling or anything. I'm like, yeah, of course, there's a chance that happens. But there's more chance that it won't, right? And so make a show that you really like with people you really like making it with. That way you're having fun with it, whether you're getting paid to do it or not. And it's just fun to do. It's something that makes you happy to do it. And that was kind of the focus of the book of like how to make a show that you're proud of, that you're happy making, that makes you happy. And so, yeah, that is out today. And I hope people like it. Uh, I think they will. I'm pretty confident in it. I think it will be very useful. And, you know, even if you're, you've been podcasting for a while, I think you might learn something from it. Well, go get the book immediately, everybody, yep. right now. You know, this episode's almost done. Uh, you can just hit pause right now and go get the book. Yeah, what do you But if you don't hit pause, this is what you're going to hear. You're going to hear Hal and I say, these topics are closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter or you can email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you. The people of the world, you are the reason that, as Travis just said, Hal and I, every week we do something that we think is fun and we enjoy and we get a great lift out of. And you are the reason that we keep coming back and doing it week after week. And we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, just before we started recording, you guys yes. were telling me about how your audience is the best audience in the world. Is that yeah. true? It, we true. were. The people yeah. of the world are, in fact... The best podcast audience that has been asked and answered. No offense to the McElroy family of audiences. No, I mean, there's a lot listen, of crossover. You're wrong, but because <laughs> my audience is the best. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. We got this. We got this. Oh, sorry, guys. I was. Ah! Oh, jeez, that's oh, not fuck. jarring in the least. No, that's. The weird Very thing normal. is, is we're all just. This is what you see before you die. <laughs> we're all assuming that that's Ken. That's. Yeah, true. I'm pretty sure it's Ken. <laughs> mm, but what if? Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.